Thanks for listening to The Real Life Podcast. If you live in the Erie area, we invite you to join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or live on Facebook and YouTube by searching Real Life Assembly. Now, here's this week's message. So uh, we've been talking about kind of this lead phrase uh, that, that helps to guide us uh, on the, the, the plethora of choices that we face in life. And it's this, it's that direction, not intention, that leads to our destination. You know, a lot of people, again, kind of uh, get where they are and sometimes ask that question, how did I get here? And really the idea of our whole series, it's not been by way of intention, but more by direction. It's not so much looking all around you as much as it is looking down at the path that you have chosen and where it ultimately will lead us. And so for some of us, it's in understanding that it's, it's a chance to back up a little bit. For others, it's to see the road signs just a little bit better so that it's not by intention, but much more by direction. And the direction is all about choice. So let me ask a question in getting started this morning. Has anyone ever made a wrong turn in life? Yeah, yeah. So how many think, well, that should be a rhetorical question, Pastor Jim, right? We've all made wrong turns. I mean, some have been just in the practical parts of life, and some have been much more in the emotional-driven moments of our life, that, that we've made wrong turns. I think we've all wished that if I could go back, right, or, or if I knew then what I know now, sometimes we just blew by the signs, right? Anybody ever do that in life? That's called being a teenager. How many know that, right? All these sounds, all these scenes, all this advice, and man, Poof, we just kind of blow right by them. And we realize that there are moments in life where we've missed the direction that we've needed for life. I mean, I think today is really a, a practical example of that as well. Today is Palm Sunday. I mean, think about it as we unveil the Passion Week this week. Who would have thought at this time, if it was real time, right? Who would have thought on Palm Sunday that the crucifixion would just be five days away. I mean, we would have never thought in that moment, right, that what was about to take place was truly going to take place. There were a lot of twists and turns in the story. And I know that in your story and my story, we could look back on so many of those the same. So many needs at times for some U-turns that we wish we had known earlier than later. And sometimes we can't go back. Sometimes we, in the sense, live with some of the consequences of those decisions. But that has nothing to do with our today and our tomorrow. How many think that's good news? That there are moments for you and I to make some turns, uh, to follow some directions that today, that not only affect our today, but really they are going to transform our tomorrows as well. I remember a time before we moved back to Erie that um, I often led, usually every year, sometimes a couple of times a year, 
a group of people to a, a homeless uh, compassion ministry in New York City. It was known as the New York School of Urban Ministry. And normally through January and February, they would host weekends where groups would come in and we would learn more about uh, inner city type ministry, ministry to the people that are living on the streets. And, and then we would go out and do some compassion ministry and, and, and share with those that were living everywhere and anywhere on the streets, the, the sub ways, uh, out under bridges, uh, everything that, uh, that could be the landscape around New York City. And oftentimes, uh, because of, of where this time went, is that we would do training throughout the early evening and then uh, get in vans around 10 o'clock and, and be out until about 2 in the morning. Um, because that's oftentimes where some of the, the prevalent need uh, and where we could find, uh, you know, kind of these cities and groups of homeless people uh, more, more times than not. And so uh, it happened to be that we found ourselves on the Lower East Side uh, down around Battery Park or the Staten Island Ferry Terminal, if some of you are familiar with, with Manhattan. And uh, we had just finished up a, a lot of ministry time actually inside the Staten Island Ferry Terminal and meeting with a lot of different people. People. And uh, so we were kind of getting close. It was probably 1.32 in the morning, and we needed to get back in the van. And uh, Nyson was located in Queens, and so we, we needed to start heading in that direction. Now, we've only been, you know, going a, a few times a year, and so obviously things change. And as we got back in the van to get back onto the highway to get back towards Queens, we realized that there had been some construction. And so now there were some detours and some twists and turns in our story. And so unfortunately for me, driving the van, I made a wrong turn. And I'm like, oh no, what, what am I going to do now? And I got to the next intersection, and looking back at it now, I made another wrong turn. Anybody ever make two wrong turns in a row in your life? And uh, I'm thinking, oh my gosh. Um, and now our van was pointed with this big billboard sign, uh, and what was ahead of me what was the tunnel to go under the East River, and it said to Brooklyn and to Coney Island. And I knew that's not where I wanted to go. Now, this is going to be radical for some of you. This was before the time your phones talked to you and your car talked to you about where you needed to go. This was before GPS days. And panic started to set in. It's almost two in the morning. I've got a van load of people, and we are going in the wrong direction in New York City. And uh, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're ever going to find our way back. So obviously, with a little dim dome light and a map, anybody say amen for a map, right? Trying to unfold that thing, right? And, and, and how many know you can never get it folded back the right way? So once it's out of the bag, it's out. Trying to figure out how in the world them turns and trying to assume which way we were going. I saw a sign that said, you are now entering Bedford-Stuyvesant. Now, for some of you, that might not be a big deal, but about 20 years ago, it was known as the most dangerous city or most dangerous neighborhood in America at the time. So if you were going to die in New York City, you were going to die in Bedford-Stuyvesant. I mean, that was its sole reputation at the moment. So here I am. I got 10 white people in an all-white church van at 2 in the morning in Bedford-Stuyvesant, talking about being at the wrong place at the wrong time. I, I happened to find, ironically, uh, two New York City policemen parked in a Dunkin' Donuts. Can't make that stuff up, folks. I mean, that's just the way it was. 
And they saw, I think, the panic on our face and that we were in a place where we shouldn't be in the moment. And I said, officer, we got to get our way to Queens um, and we are lost. And he said, boy, you are lost. And it was able to help us and give us some direction to get back from where we are. It's a story that I'll never forget. It's, it's part of the fabric, right, of all of the choices that we have to make in life. Well, I want to tell you another kind of dramatic story that we read about in the Old Testament. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 24. And about the decisions that people were making that were not only going to affect their today, but here's what I want you to get before we leave today. That these decisions that have the great power to affect our tomorrows as well. So I think the big part of the story you're going to be pretty familiar with. It's the story of David Right, So he was the, the young shepherd boy, Psalms 23, if you're not super familiar with that. And in this moment, he's on the run from the beginning king of Israel. His name is Saul, King Saul. And so our story starts with David on the run from King Saul. But I want to back up just a couple of chapters and kind of set the tone about this relationship between Saul and David. It goes back to another really pretty famous story in the Bible. If you're not too familiar, I'll give you kind of some cliff notes this morning. So Israel was always battling the Philistines, and there was this big warrior giant down in the valley for months at a time, kind of calling out the soldiers of Israel. But because he was so big, so powerful, so mighty, no one was willing to take him on. And so while all of the Israelite soldiers were kind of hiding behind rocks, little David shows up one day and just goes down in the valley with nothing but a slingshot. You got to read the whole story. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 17. He goes down with just a slingshot and he kills this big, massive, 13-foot famed warrior of the Philistines by the name of Goliath. So, Instantly in that moment, David becomes the hero for the army of Israel, right? Because they were all afraid. No one was going to die. You go. No, you go. No, you go, right? And while they're bickering about it, David just goes. And he goes down and kills the giant. Well, everybody is throwing a party for David. In fact, even at this point, Saul is really, really happy with David as well. I mean, they've been at a stalemate for months, and David seemingly in a moment changes everything. And so King Saul invites David to come and live with him in the castle and then soon gives him the honor of leading the entire army of Israel. I mean, could you imagine who could write a story such as this? I mean, one day he's just a, a shepherd boy and the next day he's a four-star general leading the army of Israel. And David, as the story goes on, does really really well. I mean, every battle, they just seemingly come out victorious time and time again. And now there's some songs that are being written about David. And, and the songs are such like, wow, like Saul had the ability in leading the army or being this big, big shot that Saul had killed his thousands or led this victory where, where they killed the thousands. But David, he's, he's killing the 
tens of thousands. I mean, Saul is good and everything, but David is really, really good. And this song is going over wonderfully everywhere except in one house. Can you guess whose house? Yeah, Saul's not too happy. In fact, this song's going over like a lead balloon, right? And so jealousy takes over in Saul's heart, and now he wants David dead. Again, sometimes we think back about how did we get here? I mean, again, within a matter of just a couple of quick chapters, David is is just the, the guy on the pedestal. David's the most wonderful thing that, that, that has ever happened to Israel. But now, just a couple of chapters later, Saul wants him dead. So Saul sends him out on what would be known as suicide missions. Hey, I want you to take a bunch of guys and I want you to go and invade, you know, this city. That, that you know, like you'd be crazy to go and do that. And Saul would send him, that's my orders. And David would go and do it, and he would wipe out whatever was there and would just come back victorious. And that just made Saul even more furious. So I got to think up something more. Where can I send him that, that would be just certain death? And so he would just kind of almost make up places, these crazy opportunities for David to go into these wild and dangerous locations and do these, these all kinds of exploits. And God would honor David and he would come out more successful than when he went in. And this just drove Saul nuts. And so he took it into his own hands and tried to kill David himself. Fortunately, he was a very bad marksman. But David realized, I can't stay in the castle anymore. Because everywhere I turn, Saul is trying to kill me. And so David has to go on the run. And so that's where we are today in 1 Samuel chapter 24. In fact, here's what it says in the first couple of verses. So Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines. Again, they seem to be always at war against the Philistines at this point. But then he was told, hey, we've got intel. David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men. I want you to pause right there with me. Can everybody remember just those last couple of words? We're going we're gonna to touch on this at the end. So Saul took with him 3,000 able young men from all around Israel, and they set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. Yes, that's in your Bible, believe it or not. Like you think you live in a weird place of Lake City, right, or Mill Creek. How would you like, oh yeah, I'm from the crags of the wild goats. Now here's where the story gets a little bit personal. So David and his men hear that King Saul is now in hot pursuit, that someone has tipped him off about where they are. And so there were many caves in the area. And so David and his men kind of hole up into one of these caves and just kind of waiting it out till Saul's army goes by. But King Saul needs to take a potty break. And so just as it happens, he walks into the very same cave Now, again, I guess in my understanding, David's, at times, I don't know if he had all of his guys, but sometimes he had over 400 men that that went with him. I don't know that all of them were there, maybe just a, a small group of them. And I don't know, obviously, our mind can wonder how big was this cave, but... 
but they kind of hid in the back parts and the darkened parts of this cave as King Saul came in. And just so happened that was that same one where all of these guys are with David, and then Saul walks in all by himself. Now, what you've heard with me so far this morning, how many know that, boy, if I was writing this story, I know where this story would end? It's going to end in this cave, right? I mean, what are the chances, I guess, of all of these caves in Engedi, and David's men happen to be in this cave, and Saul picks that one? It's kind of like for sometimes with you and I, whenever there's things that we put together or whatever bags we have to open and we start on the left, right, and we realize that there might be uh, 40 things and how many know that it's always like at number 38 where we find whatever is missing, right? We kind of like, why did I start on the left side if I would have started on the right side, right? It would have been in the second bin, the second drawer, but no, More times than not, we always start in the opposite direction. How could it be in all of these caves that Saul walks into the exact cave where David was? How many believe in coincidence? Well, not with God. Not in this story. You see, Saul didn't randomly even just pick this cave in something that would have been very natural Right, that's a part of our everyday life, that God was about to tell a story, to write a story, that you and I could, could have some things that could then help our journey today. You see, that's just how God orchestrates our life. There is no coincidence. Right? God's continuing to guide us. And if we are open to listen and make the right choice, how many know that the journey, more times than not, will always tend to be a little bit shorter? But when we don't listen and we don't follow the direction that God is trying to get us to understand, how many have found the journey to be just a little bit longer? And so Saul walks into this cave. And David's men, verse 4, 1 Samuel 24 Say, this is the day that the Lord spoke to us when he said to you, David, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with him as you wish. So, see, David's men are saying, like, glory to God. Like, I don't know how we picked this cave, but this is our lucky day. I mean, Saul walks in and this story is about to be ended. It's us against one guy, and this story is over. And here's where I need you to pay attention and listen to me this morning. Because this is what we need to understand today, how we need to be very careful in moments just like this so that we stay on the right path, that we make the right choice, not just for today, but for our tomorrows as well. You see, David was living, he didn't really totally know it at the time, but he was living a legacy. But guess what? Some of you don't know that either right now, but the same is true about you. You are living a legacy. And there are choices, some that we've made that might have penalized us or might... Of what used to be, I'm not sure that it could ever be again. 
But I want you to hear me today that if you will listen to the voice of God today, if you'll step into what it is I believe that God's word is going to speak into you and I today, there are some U-turns that God allows. Amen? There are some choices that you and I can make today that can totally rewrite our future. We might not be able to change some of the things in our past, but God today can give you and I the direction to change our tomorrows. You see, the first thing that we have to understand is there's always choice versus emotion. Now, if you're an old Star Trek fan, I'm saying old school. Come on, somebody today. The picture that I'm about to show you symbolizes a character that is known as Mr. Spock, right? Now, the the thing about Spock is, is that his brain always worked logically. It was never with emotion. And most of the time, it created a lot of tension on the U.S. starship Enterprise because Captain Kirk was emotion-driven, and Spock was this deadpanned logic guy. And they seemed at times to always be at odds. Here's what I want you to know this morning. The truth is, if you and I could take emotion out of our decisions, then most decisions become fairly easy to make. Talking about big decisions in life. The reason why we don't want to make decisions, the reason why we fret over the things, the, the things why we waffle is because it, it impacts our soul. And, and there's something about us not wanting to make the wrong decision, and so we don't make any decision, and that creates tension. Or then we have everybody else telling us what they think that we should do. Anybody? And that creates tension. And so we're in this moment that a choice has to be made, but when it is emotionally driven, we realize how much more difficult it is. Let me get practical with you this morning. You see, over these years, I've stood by the bedside of a lot of families as their loved one was maybe no longer responding to life-sustaining treatment. Sometimes you hear people say, Pastor, that as a family, they were... They were calling on us to make a decision about pulling the plug. And that's a pretty weighty decision. Or maybe we've had people in the office who's had a spouse and they've been hurt or they have been abandoned deeply by their partner and they are now an emotional wreck. I mean, I think there are some moments in life where we all have faced decisions and in Those big moments, we are usually gathered, there are people that, there are tears and people are crying, their faces are empty, they are searching for wisdom, they're realizing there is no way that I am prepared to make this kind of decision. And so oftentimes as a pastor showing up beside them, they they oftentimes look to me and it's kind of with this kind of, can you help us in some way? Can you provide some kind of direction in this moment? Because we don't know what to do. 
And maybe I've stood along the bedside or I've been in the office with you and you link with what I'm talking about right now to say, yeah, pastor, I know that's the truth because I've looked into your eyes or we've called on you and Debbie because we found ourselves in a moment filled with this emotional decision that has to be made and we don't know what to do. So I want to give you some guiding principles whether you have faced moments like that or they are yet to come, what do I do when I don't know what to do? How many think that's a pretty valuable journey for us to be on today? You see, we're going to realize that there are decisions that are not going to face just today, but they are legacy decisions. They are generational decisions, and they require your attentiveness this morning. They require your focus this morning. Here's the first thing. The desire is is that we must listen to God first and foremost. Now again, you might think in an atmosphere like this that that may be a rhetorical type statement as well. That we say, well, pastor, that, that makes sense. I mean, that's kind of nothing new. But I ask you, is it really? When we face these kind of moments... Now, although we might say, I need to hear God's voice, there for many is a disconnect about how do I hear God's voice in this moment. We are so overwhelmed. It's so bigger than us. And the crush of that oftentimes does not enable us to hear the right voice. I think we all have well-meaning people in our lives, and sometimes they want to help bring voice and direction. And I know that they are not necessarily meaning to harm us, but they don't always have a good grasp on the situation as well. They don't know what is going on in our soul. And that's why we have the assurance the creator who makes us knows us better than anyone else. And so when we find ourselves in these moments, what we have to endeavor is to listen to God's voice first and foremost. You see, let's go back to our story because, you see, what David's men were thinking, right? They're, they've been on the run. They probably haven't eaten maybe in days. They are dogged by, by Saul's army. And, and they're just hoping, man, if we can get to the back of this cave and that army rides by, we'll try to live again for another day. And then in walks Saul. I mean, they got to say, you got to be kidding me. Like, this is our day. I mean, God must have orchestrated this moment. This is just too perfect of a situation Again, kind of if I go back to what I mentioned to you earlier, I mean, seriously, kind of in the human, what are the chances? All of these caves, right? David and his men pick this one. What are the chances that Saul walks into the very cave that David and his men are hiding? What are the chances? Well, because this is a God story, the chances are really, really good. You see, there are lessons that are going to be learned, not just that day, but today as well. And so his men, right, use their voice, probably without being even able to talk. How many know you can communicate without talking? 
there any wives or husbands in the room today? Right? So here they are in this dark, dank cave, knowing that there are 3,000 able-bodied young men right outside the door as King Saul walks in, and all of David's men are giving him the eyes. Like, like you know what to do? Like, you know what this situation is now asking of us? Like, like this is Freedom Day. Like, go do this thing. And so David starts to move his way. All the voices that he's hearing, that he's not hearing, is telling him to go and kill Saul. Let's get this over with. And so as David begins to make his way towards Saul, hear me today, church. He hears another voice that he can't hear that starts to dramatically affect his heart. See, I know a lot of you today that may be unchurched or whatever, you say, well, this God thing, like, why well, you can't see God. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You can't see God. But guess what? You can hear God. You can know. You can know that God is speaking right to you. When you open up your life and you open up your hearts, you'll begin to hear his voice, just like David was moving out without hearing anything from his men, but hearing what they were saying. So on this journey to Saul, he began to hear another voice. And as David approached the king, and again, we would have thought this is a moment to run him through with a sword, but rather than killing Saul, and maybe he took his outer garment and hung it over a rock or something, David just slipped in very quietly and cut off the bottom of the robe that Saul had been wearing without him. And, and then he begins to make his way back to his men. I'm sure, again, in this moment, their face said it all. Are you kidding me? I wish John Jenke and Kim had to go to Florida for a couple of days. I wish John was here because if you talk to John for any length of time, that's John's catchphrase. If John tells you a story, he will get to the point where he says, are you kidding me? Maybe, maybe they're watching online today, so, right? Their eyes are saying, like, we can't talk right now. You got to be kidding. You go out and you come back with a little flop of cloth. Are you kidding me? But what influenced David in that moment of such a great decision? What was it about the voice that he heard? You see, we would call it in that moment the voice of God. Today, we would call it the word of God. You see, you and I may hear the voice of God, and I'm sure that many of you have. But the blessedness is, is that no matter what you are going through, no matter what you are facing, God has given to us his holy word. There's never a moment, there's never a situation, there's never a struggle that you and I would ever face that God hasn't already provided the answer for us in his words. So when David needed the most from God, God's voice, God's word was there. 
You see, that's the way David lived his life. See, some of you that are new, this might be a little hard concept to grasp, but, but you see, David is years in this journey of listening to the voice of God. And I'm not saying that the journey maybe always gets easier all the time and there's not going to be difficulty, but how much quicker and how much clearer we hear the voice of God, that we go to the voice of God, that when we've started from young and we've grown up to realize I'm not listening to anybody else because I know God has the only thing that can help me in this moment. I'm going to go to him first and foremost. Psalms 119 says this. David says, I have hidden His word in my heart so that I will always make the best and right decisions. I will not sin against him. I will listen to his voice versus all of the other voices about how they think I need to make the decision that I am in. Here's what all of this means to you and I. You see, God was light. Have you ever been there? I'm sure you have. And because the emotion was drawn in, now I don't know what to do. I feel like I shouldn't do this, but everybody's telling me, do it. I feel like I want to do this, but everybody's telling me, don't do that. What voice do I listen to? You see, you begin by learning this, understanding this pattern today. I have hidden his word in my heart. So that when I get to those moments, that when the word is in me, that I hear very clearly the voice of God at which direction I need to go. You see, what keeps you and I from making one wrong turn after another? I go back to lower Manhattan. I made one wrong turn. But because I still didn't know where I was at, I made another wrong turn. And because I didn't have anybody that had the wisdom or the direction in that moment, I just made another wrong turn. You see, in some of you, it was just kind of one wrong turn. How bad could it be? But without hearing from the voice, we have a tendency to make more wrong choices. You see, rather than applying the word with conviction... Sometimes you and I hit the gas of emotion and miss what it is that God wants to speak into our life. Not just a decision for today, but for our legacy. You see, that's what I'm believing, that God will help us today. What else? We listen to counsel that has your best or our best interest at heart. You see, along this journey whether you're 30, 40, 50, or more, there are a lot of voices in your life. And the sad truth is some of those voices that you've listened to have not always had your best interest in mind. And that's helped to lead you to the place where you're now saying, how did I get here? Let's be a little honest this morning. You know, sometimes it's people. Sometimes we've just listened to the wrong voice. Yes? But you know what else is involved? Sometimes it's pride. And guess guess whose fault that is? That's our fault. Like, how did I get here? Because God probably 
was giving me direction. God was sending me a voice, his word, like today. And you didn't do anything with it. Maybe you were in your early 20s. Maybe you were in youth group. Yeah, I heard all of this. I just didn't follow. I just listened to other voices. And we can blame a lot of other people. And and we can do that. And some of that's legit. But you got to be honest with yourself today and say, well, but what about me? What about when it was just me doing what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it, when I wanted to do it? Am I? Is it getting quiet in here today? You see, David's men were ignoring the principle of the matter. Here's what it is. Since God made Saul the king, David had no right to remove him as king. That's the principle of the matter. Regardless of Saul's action, at this time in Scripture, Saul was still under God. Here's what I want you to understand. This is big, big stuff this morning, church. You see, David had no right to replace what God had put in place. You see, there are going to be some journeys, there are going to be some directions and things, even at times, that God will lead you. God wants to hone you. God wants to discipline you for really good things and better things and prune you. But there might be people that are going to want to pull you from that pathway that God wants to set you on to do great exploits for the kingdom. And you might listen to those voices and be missing out in what it is that God has for you. And even more devastating is sometimes we have made the decision, right? Out of our pride to step away and to ignore what it is that God had put into our spirit, into our soul, to do in and through our lives. And times we miss out on months, maybe even years of what God has ultimately wanted to do in our life. We replace what God originally put in place in our life. And the reason why it's hard for us to choose today is because we might feel ashamed, embarrassed, and we can certainly know that there is an enemy that is just laboring all kinds of junk on our life that's keeping us bound and locked up to say, see who you are, see what you've done, and it's hammering the mistakes that we've made, keeping us away from what God originally placed in our life. Are you with me today? You see, what God wants to do in setting you free is that you hear his voice today. And God is going to open up the U-turn sign today in your life. You see, the enemy is not going to keep you withheld any longer. The voice of God wants to unleash you to do great exploits for the kingdom. But listen, it's not because of what I am telling you today. It's because you are going to feel that this is the voice of God, the word of God speaking to your spirit this morning. And then guess what? You are given a choice today. You are given a choice to believe or reject. You've got to believe that God's grace and God's mercy is greater than your mistakes. You've got to believe that when everybody is saying this and you're believing this, that in the midst of all of that chaos, that God will speak to you in that moment to say, no, you're not going to kill Saul 
I'm going to stop you because there is a legacy moment that you are about to miss. You see, time in God's word and God's presence will bring an amazing amount of clarity to your life, your decisions, and the challenges that you are facing. Can you see that with me one more time? Time in God's presence, time in God's word brings clarity. I have put his word in my heart so that I might not sin against him. While David was on that crawl, the word of God lit up in his spirits and he recognized the mistake that he was about to make. See, time in God's presence, time in his word, listening to his voice will bring absolute clarity to the things that you are facing. Here's the last thing that I want you to hear with me today and maybe the most important. When we are faced with these moments in life, I want you to understand this, that you make today's decisions with tomorrow in mind. See, every decision is not just about now. It feels that way. That's the emotional pressure. David's men were like, we got to end this thing now. We're giving you the green lights. But you see, God was moving in David's life, not just for today, but what he wanted was a legacy about the tomorrows. And the voice that you will hear from God today, you might make the choice today, but I want you to know that your choice is flavored with a legacy to come. I'm so glad that God can rewrite stories. I'm so glad that God can can add emphasis to existing stories. David knew that the events of that day would eventually become a story that would be told and retold, possibly for the generations. And guess what? He's right, because now some... So David had already been in the presence of the prophet Samuel as a young boy and been anointed. God said, listen, you're my next guy. And David could have lived with that prideful decision, but God hadn't given him the green light yet. He was still under Saul. He was still in a cave in the back in ratted clothing, barely able to eat, realizing his legacy and destiny that was put upon him, but God had not given him the green light. Listen, this is called spiritual maturity. Hello? Because how many of us would have given David the green light? And we would have missed out on a legacy. You see, his action that day would dictate the future of his family legacy. And I want you to understand that with me as well. So let me wrap up with a couple of action steps this morning. How do we utilize God's wisdom to keep us from making wrong turns? Listen, I think we would be fooling ourselves in our human flesh to say that we're never going to make a mistake again. But here's where it gets real this morning. If you start with me today desiring to hear and to know the voice of God, to understand the word of God Can I tell you today, 
We will make mistakes, but guess what? They're not really a surprise. Right? So Debbie and I do health coaching, and we often tell people, like, they're kind of on plan in the program, you know? And then somebody invites them to Otis for wings. And at some point along the line, you're just like, you know what? Forget it. It's a cheat day. It's a cheat day, man. Bring on the wings. Bring on the fries. Like, I'm going for it, right? You've all done that. But guess what? It's not a cheat day. It's a choose day. You're choosing. And there may not be anything wrong with that in that case. Other than guess what? It is going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Right? But you're choosing. See, life is about choice. And some, I can tell you, are going to be way bigger than others. And when we talk about legacy and generation, big choices. You can't be haphazard. You can't not be focused with me in this moment, realizing that not only your destiny, but the destiny of your family is on the line this morning. So here's three action steps that I want to give you before we leave this morning. When you're faced with these kind of moments, this choice, first of all, does this choice, does this option violate God's law? So God's good to us. God wrote out some things to say, hey, listen, how many know that a red light is still a red light is still a red light? You've all sat at a red light at midnight, right? Picking your kid up from work or whatever reason, right? And there's no cars around. It's midnight, and that light seems to be red for like three and a half minutes, right? We've all looked to the left or the right a few times going, ugh. Uh, but how many know the red light still means red lights at midnight like it does at four in the afternoon? Why? It's, so here's what I want you to know. And it's always in effect. So here's what I want you to know. When you're faced with a choice, this is what you ask yourself. Has God already spoken on this matter? And if he has then you either blow through the red light or you have disciplined yourself to hear the voice of God. It made everything change in David's destiny because in a critical moment, he was still able to hear the voice of God over all of the other voices. Are you tracking with me today? You see, it was still against the law to kill the king. And that's what God was telling David in the moment. I haven't given you the green light yet. The law is still in effect. Second of all, does this choice violate one of God's principles? See, David's men were ignoring the principle of the matter. This is really, really big. I want to bring you now to what I asked you to be holding on to a few moments ago. Because here's what I want to ask you this morning. What do you think Saul's young fighting men, how many were there? 3,000 young, able fighting men. What do you think they thought about David after Saul had left the cave and remounted 
his steed. And David comes out to the lip of the cave and holds the cut-off part of Saul's robe. It says, hey, Saul, look on the bottom of your, your riding gear. Look familiar? Is it a perfect match with what's missing? And Saul looks down and says, yeah, it's a perfect match. <laughs> what did you do? How, how did you do that? David up, held up that piece of cloth. What do you think those 3,000 abled young men thought at the moment. Wow, what an honorable leader. He had a chance. But there must be something in that stopped him from doing what would seem to be so natural. Are you getting this? Why is this so important? Because when God finally throws the green lights... Guess who the army is? These 3,000 young, able-bodied men that are going to rally around David. I'll follow you anywhere because you are a man of honor. You could have taken the easy way out, but you did what was right in the eyes of God. And I will follow you to the ends of the earth. Is this making sense? Parents, why your kids need to know that you are a righteous, honorable mom and dad. We are not perfect. But we have committed to hear the voice of God. So that if God still has the red light, we're going to say to our family, now is not the time to move. This is not the decision. Listen, you might not understand it, 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 18-year-old, 22-year-old, but I've walked with God for a long time. I have hidden his word in my heart. So at this moment, I will not sin against him. And the legacy and the destiny of our family will honor God all the days of our lives. How many say, whoa, big stuff, Pastor Jim? See, there are warriors yet to be built in this place. And lastly, in the light of the story that you want to be told, including the righteous emotion that is in us, what is the wise thing for me to do? How do I want people to tell my story? What do I want them to be known about me. Listen, if you're a man or a woman to God, you are leaving a legacy at real life for the generations to come. Obviously, just including my age, I am not going to pastor real life for the next hundred years. There will be others, but you know what? It's this moment of destiny that I have here to set in course of what real life will be for the next hundred years. But guess what? So do you. So what decision do we make today that not only affects my today, but affects their tomorrows? Yes? So I want to pray with you before we leave. And I hope that what we have talked about in this story today, that there might be some of you that say, Pastor, I desperately need 
a U-turn today. Some of you have blamed people when quite honestly, it's been you, yes? Listen, we could all sing a couple of happy songs, pray the benediction and go, but not today. Today's a moment to say, God, I need to consider not only my today, but I gotta do something about my tomorrow. I've got a legacy on the line here this morning. Think about it. I've got people that I don't even know yet that are either gonna be blessed or challenged because of the decision that I make today. Why don't you bow your heads with me and let's pray about that this morning. So Father, I pray in this great word that we find in scripture this morning that helps us to set an agenda, not just for my today. Some of us are realizing of of where we stand today, how we got here, some good, some not so good. Some things that the enemy maybe has has just been bombarding my soul that that seems as if my story ends today or has ended with with a period. And yet this morning, God is saying, oh, not so fast. Today might just be a comma moment for you to consider that I'm not done with you yet. That your story hasn't been written. Your mistakes are not fatal today. There's just some things that that God's willing to, to work a little bit more to change and to transform and to affect your destiny and the legacy of those who are coming after you today. God, I pray that you would enable us to see the red lights, even when everybody else is shouting the green lights. Everyone is giving us the go, but God, today, you still might be needing to work on my heart, challenging me with some things that I have forsaken, that I have forgotten. Listen, you're not cheating, you're choosing whether for good or not so good. So today, let me ask you, dear friend, what will you choose? What will your today, but even more importantly, what will your tomorrow reap on this moment right 